I'm Rob. I'm Michelle. And this is Two, Two Librarians, Librarians Walk Into a, a Shelf. Hey, Rob. Hey, Michelle. Welcome to Podcast 23. What are we doing today? Best to- books of 2020? Best media of 2020? Best media of 2020, yes. Uh, right. You're going to cover some books. I'm going to cover some movies. Do want to mention that uh, the podcast number 25 at the end of the month, it'll be the return of the two librarians walking to a shelf book club. Oh, yeah. It, it was my pick yeah, this time. It was. And so anybody who wants to participate in this talk, we are doing Gunsmoke and Trail Dust, a classic from 1949 by Bliss Lomax. This is a Western. This is a pure 100% Western. And I know that you're excited. I can just look in your face, what what the maskins are covering, and see the excitement in your face about this one. I would never have picked this on my own. I, I know, and that's the point that's of the this. point of the book club. So I'm giving it a, as fair of a shot as I possibly can. And I appreciate that. I'm so, going to read it all the way through, and I'm going to give it a fair shot. All right, and that's all I can ask, and that's all I can ask of anybody. This is available on Hoopla, Gunsmoke, and Trail Dust, Bliss Lomax. And I've got some uh, interesting facts about the writer, uh, Mr. Lomax, if that is your name. (laughs) So we'll be doing that in a couple more podcasts. But yes, today we're going to get to the best of 2020. And why don't you start us off with some of the best books that you read last year? The first book that I want to talk about is The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires by Grady Hendrix. I don't think we need to talk a whole lot about that one because we talked about it at the beginning of the podcast. We interviewed him in October, which was amazing. So if you want to know more about the book, you can check out those older episodes. But, you know, basically it's a, a story of some housewives that notice some bad things going on in their town and no one seems to take them seriously. So they take it upon themselves to solve the mystery, you know, after reading a bunch of true crime novels. Uh, I really liked it. Is set in a southern town. It felt very real. The setting felt very real, and I appreciated the humor mixed with the scary so that it wasn't just one big scary thing. There was lots of funny moments in the book. So if you aren't sure if you like horror or scary books, this one's probably a good one. It's got some creepy stuff in it, but it's mixed with a lot of other things. It's not just gross. So anyway, I really enjoyed that one. I'm so, looking forward to it. You, you loaned me your copy. Yep. So um, I, I really like Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. The next one I want to talk about is another one I've talked about. On, I've talked about all of these on the podcast already. The Girl from Widow Hills by Megan Miranda. I think I've read everything that she has written. She writes mystery thrillers, usually told from the perspective of a young adult. Not like teenager, but like 25-ish. Out of college, starting a career, that kind of age. And they're quick, well-plotted mystery thrillers. So I don't remember which episode I talked about this one in, but basically the girl, uh, it's about Olivia, this girl who became famous as a small child because she survived like 48 hours in a storm dream after a flood as a, like a small child. So she is a sleepwalker and she becomes famous for like surviving this ordeal. And then her mom kind of goes crazy. So as she gets older, she changes her name. She moves away. She wants to separate herself out from that completely. But she still struggles with sleepwalking. So one night she wakes up from sleepwalking. She looks down and there's like a dead man at her feet and she's covered in blood. She doesn't remember anything about it. The best thing about this book was the way Megan Miranda is able to create that closed in. Somebody's watching you 
kind of trapped feeling in her writing. I noticed as I was reading it, I really got that feeling, and that's not always possible. Like, you don't always get that from a mystery thriller. Megan Miranda doesn't write gruesome things. There's no gory descriptions of violence or anything like that. So it works for me. Uh, And they're super fast reads. So definitely recommend that one. And then for nonfiction this year, I think my favorite one was Open Book by Jessica Simpson. So I've already talked about this one as well. We talked about it last month. But I really enjoyed, I did the audiobook for this one, and she reads it herself. It's a little like a tabloid, but I kind of like the trash talk about some of her exes. And I also <laughs> liked how honest it really felt about her struggles with addiction and how she's working to overcome that. So if you liked Jessica Simpson and the early 2000s, or if you liked watching the newlyweds, or you know if you like tabloidy stories at all. I think this, that one's worth reading, but also if you like audio, she reads it herself and she has a really nice voice. So it was pleasant. And then the last one for 2020, it's, I think it's my absolute favorite of 2020. It's The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Schwab. I've read almost everything that V.E. Schwab, sometimes she writes under Victoria Schwab. I've read everything that she has published and I think this is her best one by far. I, I just loved it. So the main character, Addie LaRue, born in France in the late 1600s, she makes a bargain with a dark god of the night prior to being married to a man she didn't care for. And the price of her bargain was a life that no one would remember. She is forgotten by everyone she meets for centuries until she meets a boy in a bookshop in New York. And I think this story at its, like the theme of the story is how do you make your mark on the world? So it's a story about how how you can inspire people, what it means to inspire, and what it means when someone really sees you for who you are. The way that Schwab was able to weave Addie's story and through like historical events throughout Western history and art, a lot of it was done through like Addie inspiring artists. It was just really interesting and kind of the heartbreak that it must be when you really enjoy the company of somebody, but they can't remember you. And I think that's just a metaphor for people who don't really see you for who you are. Uh, So I really, really enjoyed that one. So it's kind of fantasy, of course, like it's magic and bargain with a dark God and and whatever. But I think everybody would enjoy that one. I think it's worth reading. I think that's come up on the blog from uh, other bloggers from the library. I think that was a pretty popular book this year. It was. I think um, Annie who does all of our fiction ordering and she chooses the like librarian book club pick of every month. So you can find it. You can find that book out on our webpage. You can find that book in our emails that we send out periodically. And it's just a recommended book by librarians in the system that they think everybody will enjoy. And I think this was the November or the October, the October book club pick was the invisible life of Addie LaRue. Okay. All right. Yep. Well, I've got some movies and, Let's just, I think listeners know by now, I'm not going to talk about Marvel superhero movies or Star Wars or Tenet. Those are not the movies that I watch. No. <laughs> so this is, this is exclusively my best movie picks from 2020. So I've got three best picks that I saw over the year, and these are movies that are available either from Hoopla or within the system. And then I've got five movies worth mentioning for some reason. Movies that did something different in the last year that I think uh, just should be noted or that I enjoyed and, and no one else did. So, 
we'll get to the top three, uh, my top three picks for the year. The first one, VFW. This one was great. Technically, uh, the film made it into a couple of film festivals at the end of 2019, but it wasn't available to the masses until February of 2020. This is a pick that's available on Hoopla. So what we have here is the kind of action picture that they don't really make too often anymore. It's an old school smackdown that features action stars from decades earlier banding together and fighting a never ending siege. It's what I refer to as a geriatric fury movie where older actors propel the action. So here we have a group of Vietnam vet friends enjoying drinks at the local VFW. That's the bar established for veterans of foreign wars who get tangled up at closing time with an army of zombie-like meth heads after a young girl stumbles into the bar needing help. They don't realize she's stolen a backpack of smack and that the neighborhood narcotics dealer has set up an all-you-can-snort bounty for the first whacked-out tweaker to retrieve his product and bring him the girl. The vets, joined by a young soldier returning home from service, band together to protect the girl from the onslaught of the freak army. Uh, this is a nonstop, over-the-top, violent assault as longtime action guys like Fred the Hammer Williamson, Bill Sandler, and Martin Cove battle the creeps in copious bouts of bloody hand-to-hand combat. I love movies like this, especially when older actors are given a chance to shine again and kick some faces in. Uh, other movies in what I consider the geriatric fury genre include uh, original gangsters, Rambo Last Blood, The Man Who Killed Hitler, and then The Bigfoot. Grand Torino, Terminator, Dark Fate, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So if you're looking for a blast of action, VFW, available on Hoopla, it, uh, it was the top pick of mine for the year. Number two was The Hunt. This is a, a great Blumhouse action, weirdo, mystery thriller. Twelve strangers wake up and realize they've been abducted. They don't know where they are. Before they can figure out what's going on, a group of hunters start taking pot shots at them. Once this premise is set up, it never slows down. Betty Gilpin is Crystal, and it's her movie as soon as she's introduced. Crystal obviously has some combat experience, and she does what she can to stay alive. The film has a strange political slant, but doesn't really have a political message. This is basically the most dangerous game, a classic who will survive and what will be left of them action thriller. The movie was ready to be released theatrically when the pandemic hit. While it was released on mostly drive-in screens, it was a hit on streaming. In different times, this movie would have made a star out of Gilpin, and I hope she gets similar roles in the future. Fast-moving, brutal, mean-spirited, darkly funny, and graphically violent, The Hunt will no doubt spark a conversation once it's over, and viewers are invited to draw their own conclusions about the character of Crystal. That is available through the Huntsville-Madison County Public Library System. It can be put on hold and picked up at any branch. My last pick of the year is one that I did talk about on the podcast, The Invisible Man. This is a dark, mature monster thriller about a woman trying to get away from her abusive partner, a brilliant scientist who has created a suit that renders the wearer invisible. He haunts her every move, making her life miserable and terrorizing those around her. Like I said before, this one was a real surprise. I expected little from it and was given more than I ever imagined. Uh, it's a story that deals with a woman who's being abused, but no one believes her because they don't see the abuse happening. In this instance, it's because the guy who's abusing her is invisible. 
It's a reminder that the horror genre can be used to tell a bigger story than just filling an hour and a half with jump scares. A lot of people complained the trailer gave away the whole movie, and even I was questioned if I gave too much info away when I talked about it on the earlier podcast. But I don't think the trailer gives anything away. I think younger viewers not familiar with Invisible Man-type films think maybe the movie's big surprise is how the guy becomes invisible. It's not. The film's twist is how this woman gets away from this invisible maniac that no one believes is real. The more than satisfying ending wraps up an enjoyable horror flick. I just hope they don't ruin it with a sequel. This one is also available from the Huntsville-Madison County Public Library System. So some of the worthy movies that came out over the year, whether we have them or not. Uh, this one was one of the last movies I watched for the year. It's called Host. Without a doubt, it was the best of the quarantine-made films, which there were several. This one was the best one. Uh, this UK-made film is told on a computer screen and concerns a group of friends battling lockdown boredom by hiring a medium for a Zoom seance. Actually filmed during the lockup, the film captures the quarantine vibe of the worldwide pandemic and mixes it with friends, technology, day drinking, and some honest scares. I'm not talking strictly jump scares, of which there are plenty, but honest to goodness, hair standing up on ends and icy chills running down your spine type scares. I totally bought into this flick and loved every minute of it. Also, it only runs 55 minutes. And if you know me, you know I complain that most movies are too long. So at 55 minutes, this was a real treat. Everything about Host is, is superb. I highly recommend it. It's currently available exclusively on Shudder, but I've noticed a lot of Shudder exclusives show up on Hoopla, like VFW. So I'll let you know if it shows up there anytime soon. The premise of that one is very interesting. It was very, I no expectations. I hated the idea of watching a film that plays out on a computer, but having done enough Zoom meetings during the lockdown, as you know, yeah. which we were a part of, it worked. I was really surprised by it. It's the only movie that was that genuinely scared me as far as like I almost fell off the couch. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, I would recommend it to you because it's not gratuitous. It's not over the top violent. Will I sleep after? You will not. Okay. It's that kind of scary. Okay. It's great. All right. <laughs> uh, another one that I mentioned before, uh, Valley Girl. A lot of people didn't like this one, but I enjoyed it for what it was, uh, for what it is, a cheesy musical about 80s fads, malls, fashions, and dating. I keep hearing that Wonder Woman 1984 is the ultimate 80s retro ride, but this romanticized look back at what I consider the greatest decade ever just hit all the right nostalgic buttons for me. It doesn't come near to the original, but for the time that's passed between the original and this one, this is a fun way to update the movie that updated Romeo and Juliet about a Val gal and a dude from Hollywood hooking up. It's available streaming, not on Hoopla, but Hoopla does offer the soundtrack. It's an all 80s soundtrack that they redid the music of. And while I don't have a problem with that, I, I just, you don't mess with the go-go's. We got the beat, but I'll get over that. <laughs> Will you? Uh, I've mentioned it a couple times, haven't I? Yeah. I told myself not to mention it here, but I can't help it. That's okay. You are who you are. Uh, The Wretched. Any other year, this little independent horror movie about a rambunctious teenage boy dealing with a child-snatching witch next door would have come and gone with little fanfare. In 2020, it was one of the few new movies to be released during the pandemic. 
and it went directly to a handful of drive-ins. <laughs> what it did was it became the first movie to hit number one at the box office five consecutive weeks in a row since Black Panther back in 2018. <laughs> so obviously we're not talking about half a billion dollars like Black Panther made, but uh, only in 2020 would a weird little horror flick be able to accomplish such a feat. And it uh, helped reminded people that drive-ins are probably the best way to see a movie in your car under the stars. Uh, I did get to the movies three times this year, all at the drive-in. And the best drive-in double feature I saw was Christine and Friday Night. Yeah, I know. They're older movies, and I've seen them both dozens of times. But it was the first time I ever saw them the way directors John Carpenter and Tom Holland intended me to see them up on the big screen. I got to tell you, I had a smile plastered on my face for three hours and most of the ride home after that one. It just didn't get better than Christina Fright Night. And then we'll wrap this up with one stinker. Uh, I mean, I saw plenty of them, but the one that hurt the most (laughs) (laughs) was Fantasy Island. So before we heap too much love on the Blumhouse folks for the hunt and Invisible Man making my best of list... It'd be unfair not to mention that La Casa de Blum was also responsible for this horrendous time suck. I remember the old TV show put characters in some kind of moral dilemma so they could decide for themselves if they really wanted what they most wished for. The movie sort of touches on that aspect, but the main characters are such abysmal losers. The only fantasy worth contemplating is wishing for this horrible flick to be over. This is a movie that many cold beers didn't help. Aww. If there's another incarnation of Mystery Science 3000 in the future, I, I guarantee you they'll be riffing on this wretched, wretched flick. Aww. So that's my movies of 2020. I know that a lot of stuff got put pushed back this year. Yeah. Books, movies, all of it got pushed a back. A ton of stuff. So, yeah, no, there weren't like big box office releases or anything like that. It's been a really weird year for books and media. Yeah. No book tours. No nothing. No nothing. So it's hard for hard for traditional media forms to really really be successful this year. I heard a story about like a few guys made a movie during the quarantine cuz like nothing was coming out and then they released it into some drive-ins and then bought all the tickets themselves. To the few drive-ins, and so for a few weeks there in the middle, they were the number one movie in America. Yes. I forget which one that was. That that one's in The Wretched. No. Because that one had been made and just got distributed in 2020. But I remember reading that, and I can't remember what the name of that movie was. I can't remember either. I tried to Google it just now and couldn't come. I I wasn't using the right search terms and could not find it. But I just thought that was so fascinating that they could write, film, and release a movie to theaters— and it was such a limited, I mean, so few theaters were running that they they personally could buy out all of the tickets and have themselves as the number one movie in America. And that's, again, that's how Wretched, The Wretched came out. There was nothing else coming out. Right. I think technically Trolls was released during part of that, but because Trolls was released to a handful of screens and then streaming and made most of its movie up and made most of its money on streaming, they didn't report any kind of ticket sales I see. for Trolls since it had uh, multiple platform of release. So probably Trolls was the more popular or the, <laughs> the bigger moneymaker, but they didn't report any money for tickets that week or I see. for a couple weeks. So Wretched was technically the only new movie released. It was released on a double feature with another new comedy, How to Make a Girl, and that's what we saw at the drive-in. And that was 
that was a really fun experience, just kind of going to the drive-in. It was like the old days. There was no expectations. Yeah. Two independent movies I didn't know anything about. Just wanted to get out of the house. It was the first time we got out of the house in months. Mm-hmm. Sat in the car and probably enjoyed them more because of the circumstances of everything having been locked down for a while at, yeah. at that point. So That's pretty cool. Yeah. Drive-ins made a comeback. Uh, all the other ones and a whole lot of new stuff released. A lot of old stuff, a lot of older movies got re-released on uh, Blu-rays and uh, streaming, and and it gave us a lot of time to catch up on stuff. (laughs) I think a lot of to-be-read and to-be-watched piles were whittled down a bit over the last 10 months. I've noticed that a lot of my friends have been posting their Goodreads wrap-ups on their social media, like, I read X many books this year for so many pages, and my favorites were these, and all this kind of stuff, and that makes me so happy that they track that stuff. I can't participate in that because it ruins it for me (laughs) but people were like doubling their normal reading goals this year because they just had time to they weren't in a busy schedule being like mom taxi or pta stuff or whatever they had all this extra time to just read like they wanted to regularly anyway so i'm so happy that everybody did that i'm sad that that wasn't necessarily my year i felt like i didn't read nearly as much this year as i normally do it was hard for me to concentrate, so I've been kind of sad. But I, I can't do reading goals like that because then the minute it's like you're behind on your goal and Goodreads is like you need to read this many to catch up, I'm like, I'm not doing that. No, that's too much pressure. Yeah, I can't, so I don't participate in that. But I'm happy for other people that it works for. I I enjoyed reading a lot of stuff that I would have never thought about reading before this past year. So that opened me up. Obviously, I'm into romances now. We can talk <laughs> about romances. <laughs> I'm waiting for you to recommend another one. Okay. I, I think in the next, whoa, slow down. I think in the next <laughs> podcast, we're going to talk about another genre that I'm not completely new to, but I've abandoned over the last 30 or so years. Uh, we're going to talk about some YA picks. Yeah, I really like YA fiction, so, so that'll next, be a good one. We'll do that next time. Until then, no matter what they say, no matter what they try to tell you, don't, don't trust, trust robots. robots. The views expressed by the hosts are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the Huntsville-Madison County Library System. For more information on the Huntsville-Madison County Public Library, visit us online at hmcpl.org. If you'd like to learn more about some of the topics discussed today, visit your local library, which is us. No representation is made that your librarian is more knowledgeable than other librarians or that they have any expertise on your particular project.